We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. minutes a day, 365 days a year. This is the Pack-A-Day Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Pack-A-Day Podcast. You can get all your Pack-A-Day updates by following us on Twitter at Pack-A-Day Podcast. Remember you to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, or Spotify. And of course, you can always check us out over at CheeseheadTV.com. I'm Kyle Fellows, and I am joined by my co-hosts, Maggie Loney and Andrew Mertig. Andrew and Maggie, it's a Friday. It's so good to be back. Good to talk with you. Excited to talk about so many Packers things, some awards things. It's going to be a great show. How are you guys doing? Yeah, really great. I, I have to actually like emotionally compose myself for this show because... If you saw the speech from Andrew Whitworth to end the NFL Honor Show, like it, it was amazing, amazing. I, I highly recommend that people, after they're done with the podcast, go out and watch that because just like not even from an NFL standpoint, just from like a human standpoint, really, really cool stuff. Great message. But I I get to welcome Maggie to the show full time, right? This, yeah. this is so exciting. I know Kyle and I have our own little thing, but Maggie, you you improve what we do every year leading up to the draft, and so now to be a permanent fixture, that's a, a really big deal for us, and uh, we're we're super happy to have you aboard. Yeah, it's fun to be back with the draft team turned permanent team. I just you know hope you guys don't get sick of me. I know there was a a rumor that I had paid to leave my former pack a day team and i can assure everyone listening i did not do that but i am excited to be back with you guys we know that you did but it's okay (laughs) we will i guess everyone knows now that listens but i mean it's it's better that way we won't tell anyone else but we know the truth but uh we're excited for the show that we've got ahead of us today if you are listening to the show on friday as you should be of course then last night was the big night for the nfl and for the packers with some nfl honors presentations and we've been confident for some time that Aaron Rodgers was going to win his fourth MVP award and his second consecutive MVP um, kind of that based on the results of the all pro vote this was pretty much kind of a guarantee to happen but it was made official last night and a huge congrats to Mr. Rodgers on the honor Uh, you guys obviously this is a massive accomplishment for number 12 last year his award acceptance speech was a pre-recorded video Um, he was there at the event the event tonight and so I'm curious if you guys have any thoughts on that acceptance speech or just reflections on him winning this fourth MVP award and what was another incredible season for Aaron Rodgers 
Yeah, I know right after, you know, he kind of made his acceptance speech, Twitter just completely split into two camps. And it was <laughs> the um, Aaron Rodgers is definitely retiring camp. And then the that sounds like a guy who wants to run it back camp. So I know he said in his little Zoom conference with the media after the awards that he was not um, he didn't make up a decision yet as far as what he would do. Um, but I think, you know, given how important legacy is to Aaron Rodgers, it's it's huge for him to have that fourth MVP. Not only is he, you know, the fifth player in NFL history to win consecutive MVP honors, something that Brett Favre also was able to do. Um, Packer fans are spoiled. <laughs> but it puts him <laughs> in a category of his own above Favre, since Favre only won MVP three times. So Rodgers is now only the second player to win more than three MVPs and just one behind Peyton Manning's five. And if you watched the show, you saw that Peyton Manning was the one that presented him with the MVP award, which is kind of cool. Um, I know he probably, you know, if you asked him, would say he wanted another Super Bowl MVP, maybe more than this league MVP. But it's an unprecedented 17th season with the team. No one else has done that. And if this, if this is the end for him, you know, whether he goes to a different team or retires, what a way to end it. Yeah, and I told both of you I was going to go negative on this when Aaron Rodgers won MVP, and I'm <laughs> actually going to go back on that. So I would have never watched NFL Honors if we didn't have to, but obviously a lot of <laughs> Packer-related stuff tonight. So uh, I was viewing that, and, and while I was doing it, I was thinking a lot about you know Aaron Rodgers, and, and we are so spoiled as fan base, right? Like Aaron Rodgers is one of the all-time greats. He, he's going to go down as one of the best quarterbacks to ever play the game of football, and he came out in his speech, and he was he was kind of humble, um, which is very unusual for number twelve. And um, I, I was taken aback a little bit by that. And you know, certainly taking the time to honor the execs, including Brian Gutekunst, hint hint. Uh, you know, the coaching staff. The shout out to Lafleur that was super cool. Um, you know, honoring Ted Thompson with the award. And you know, I mean, it, it just comes to the realization of this for me. I truly believe. After the last two weeks and, and really taking a deep dive into this, I think Aaron Rodgers is going to be the quarterback for the Packers next year um, and going forward. And, you know, may, maybe I'll be proven wrong with that, but I, I just think it's great. It's it's an honor. Of course, we would all rather be preparing to watch the game on Sunday with the Packers in it, but um, it, it is very important when something as historical as Aaron Rodgers' run as this quarterback is going on, that you take the time to appreciate it. So I'm not going to be negative tonight, Kyle. I appreciate that, Andrew. It's a change of pace, but we're we're in for it tonight. It's a treat. Um, it's funny, like you you mentioned that, and then I looked in the show doc, and you just eliminated everything you were going to say. <laughs> and uh, that was, I mean, you're spot on. I think it's absolutely true. And his legacy, as Maggie said, I think is just one that just continues to grow. And some of this tension that we're in right now can kind of taint that. But I think it's important to take a step back and realize what we are experiencing and what we have gotten to witness as, you know, just the incredible season and career that Aaron Rodgers has had. So, um, you know, he frequently gives credit to LaFleur, Hackett, and the rest of the coaching staff, but I don't think it can be said enough just how much LaFleur's offense has helped Rodgers play at an elite level this late in his career. And so I thought it was really important and well done by Rodgers to highlight in detail intentionally how LaFleur has aided him in winning these two MVP awards. People talk about how LaFleur has Aaron Rodgers and how that certainly helps 
Lafleur look good as a coach, right? And it certainly does. There's no getting around that. But there's no getting around the fact that Rodgers has been on a different level since teaming up with Lafleur and buying into the system, and that's a credit to the coach. And I think that's why so many wonder why Rodgers would want to go somewhere else this late in his career when so many things seem to be working so well here in Green Bay right now. But we'll see what happens, right, in the coming weeks um, with the now reigning MVP back-to-back, right? And so lots to be uncovered, but for right now we get to celebrate a little bit that he is, again, the league MVP. But it's hard to top that, right? It's hard to top the MVP moment and that award. But honestly, I think much of Packer fandom was even more excited tonight about something else that happened um, with the awards. And that, of course, was the Hall of Fame induction of Packer safety Leroy Butler. Fans have been pounding the table for Butler to get into the Hall of Fame for years. And Butler was first eligible for the Hall in 2007, but didn't even become a finalist until 2018, just a couple of years ago. So the wait has been long, but this was finally his year. And he enters the Hall of Fame with a class that consists of Richard Seymour, Bryant Young, of course, himself, Sam Mills, and Tony Baselli. So uh, an exciting class and great news that is celebrated by Packers fans everywhere. Yeah, and before we get into talking about Leroy, I just wanted to mention, like, we're, we're about to enter into draft season, which I know all three of us really love. And one of the reasons why I love the draft is because then you get to you you get to sort of track players' careers who are not on your favorite team, right? You get to kind of follow players all throughout and I started to feel old. I know I'm the oldest one on this trio of podcasters. Um, you know, I, I started feeling old when the players that I, I remember being in the draft when I was pretty young uh, started retiring. Well, now they're entering the Hall of Fame because I very mm. distinctly remember Tony Baselli, and he was one of the all-time great offensive lineman prospects coming in the NFL. And then he did something that very few of those top prospects do. He lived up to it. He was phenomenal, <laughs> like one of the best tackles ever. Um, and, you know, I remember Sam Mills when he went from the Saints to the Panthers being like one of my favorite players. Just, uh, you know, that that Panthers team being in like late elementary, middle school, like those jerseys back then, the coolest. And Sam Mills was like the guy um, on those teams. So it re- really kind of a, a cool um, realization when when players start going in the Hall of Fame that you remember uh, as draft prospects. But yeah, Leroy Butler, long overdue, so well-deserved. I know, Kyle, you're going to talk about his stats a little bit, so I'm not going to steal that thunder. But Leroy Butler is better on paper and on film than John Lynch and Steve Atwater, who both got into the Hall of Fame before he did. And then you add in that he revolutionized the safety position, which is not hyperbole. Hmm. He was the first safety who really didn't fit the traditional free or strong safety label. He played in the box. He blitzed. He made plays in deep center field. He covered tight ends and running backs and man coverage. The dude could do it all. He he was, to me, the best safety of the 90s. And I'm convinced the reason it took so long to get in the Hall of Fame is he just simply got overshadowed by Reggie White and Brett Favre. But this is so well-deserved, and I haven't even mentioned that he he just seems like such a great person. He's he's done, you know, he's stuck with the Green Bay community um, and Wisconsin in general post-career. Seems like a great representative for the Green Bay Packers franchise. So I could not be happier that Leroy is finally getting what he deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, Leroy's just one of those 
like all-time great Packers. You think about like the historic names in a historic franchise that's over 100 years of, you know, rich history with Bart Starr, Paul Horning, you know, Don Hudson, and, you know, Packers fans, if they're younger, remember guys like Charles Woodson. Well, Leroy Butler was that guy first. You know, he was one of the originals at the safety position that just kind of made it an iconic role for the Packers. And, you know, the 36 is an iconic number to have in a Packers secondary because of Butler. So it's it's impressive when you talk about a franchise as old and historic as the Packers that Butler was still able to kind of carve out his own chunk and his own legacy in that space. And yes, of course, the Lambeau Leap helps him do that a little bit, but his play on the field is what solidified his place in Canton more than anything else that may have happened, you know, in addition to that play. So very well deserved for him. And I'm honestly just glad that he didn't have to wait as long as Jerry Kramer did, because I know that was, that was, long overdue for him and butler's was long overdue but not not as long i guess a long wait and it is now over butler's in the hall of fame he was with the packers from 1990 to 2001 he was a four-time first team all pro four-time pro bowler and of course won the super bowl with the packers in 1996 and that season he totaled 38 interceptions 20 and a half sacks 13 forced fumbles over the course of that Hall of Fame career now. So, again, congrats to Leroy Butler. But last week, we began a new series that focuses on previewing the off-seasons of the Packers' division rivals. Last Friday was all about the Detroit Lions, and that was a really fun discussion about what might be ahead for Detroit this offseason. But with the Lions in the rearview mirror, of course, that means that we have the Bears and the Vikings left to discuss. Uh, but the Bears are up today, and we're excited about that. So we're going to discuss the change that has already begun there in Chicago, uh, more change that is inevitable, and how they might wish to improve their roster this offseason. This is going to be a fun exercise because the Bears are in such a different place as an organization than those Detroit Lions. They have their quarterback of the future in Chicago. They've blown up the organization from the GM to the coaching staff. And so it's a very different conversation than the one we had last week with Detroit. But this is one, uh, this is a process that we love. This is why we love the offseason. There are so many different ways to build a football team. And so today we do get to dig into the way the Chicago Bears are trying to go about this rebuild. And I think we're really looking forward to this conversation. Yeah, so like you said, we're going to kick it off with the Chicago Bears who are coming off of a 6-11 and season uh, where, of course, they started to make the transition into their future. And, and of course, Bears fans are very optimistic that Justin Fields is going to be at the helm of their franchise for a very long time. Uh, but then this offseason, they hit the reset button a little bit further and made changes at head coach, as you alluded to, with Matt Eberflus coming in to uh, run the team and then also general manager Ryan Poles. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. 
Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, and I think, you know, the addition of Luke Getze is also significant for Chicago, which is unfortunate for Packers fans. Hmm. He's got such a wealth of knowledge when it comes to not only offense, but the quarterback position. So, you know, I think he will do really well as Chicago's offensive coordinator, getting to call the plays. And Justin Fields, I think, is going to learn a lot from him, which, you know, depending on who you ask, is either a positive or a negative. Yeah, a very different season coming for the Chicago Bears. Bears fans hoping it is a good one, um, but it may take a little bit of time for all these things to gel. But I think there's some optimism uh, that is appropriate for where the Chicago Bears are going and some of the decisions that they've made and those pieces they have in place. But as you look at the impending free agents that this team has coming into this offseason, the Bears have over 20 free agents this coming offseason and a handful of restricted free agents as well. So this roster is going to look very different in 2022. Uh, but some of the guys who could leave town are pretty big impact players. They're pieces that this team has been built around for years and years. So it isn't a subtle shift in this roster. This is a franchise tilting offseason for them. The biggest names are, of course, Allen Robinson and Akeem Hicks. Robinson played on the tag last year, uh, but it's been well known that he would like to leave Chicago. And for whatever reason, he hasn't formed a natural chemistry this past year with Justin Fields. So it just seems like that is a continuation of that process of him probably leaving town. Uh, so you've got to think Chicago chooses to go younger and get a fresh start at wide receiver there. Uh, but then Akeem Hicks is also expected to be potentially leaving Chicago. He's one of the most underrated defensive linemen in the league, probably. And so um, at 32 years old, I think that's the question, right? Maybe they like to have him back. But at 32 years old, you kind of wonder if he's in the plans for the Bears kind of in this reset. But uh, the Bears tackles, right? Jason Peters and Jermaine Effetti are on this list of unrestricted free agents. And Peters is old. And by old, I mean very old, right? He's 40 years young. This guy is still playing at a really high level, played great for Chicago in 2021, but he's clearly not the future there. And if you move on from Effetti and Peters, that's 1,200 snaps that you've got to replace at your offensive tackle spot. So that's a big deal. Is Tevin Jenkins ready to step into that role? That's a big question, and I guess we'll see if that's that's the direction that they go here. Other notable free agents for the Bears that are on this list are Tashawn Gibson, uh, Jimmy Graham, Packers fans, everyone, everybody's favorite tight end, Jimmy Graham, and wide receivers Jakeem Grant and Marquise Goodwin as well. So lots of change coming for this roster, but especially on the offensive side of the football, this is going to be a very different team. Yeah, so I'm tasked with talking about what the team needs are for the Chicago Bears. And I think you really did a good job of laying that out there and, and really why this team is going to have some needs based on the players that could potentially be leaving Chicago. Uh, and, you know, number one, I think at the top of the list, offense tackle, you just talked about it, right? So even if Tevin Jenkins turns out to be the guy that they want him to be when he was picked in the second round, they're still going to have to replace left tackle more than likely. And so OT, 
big need coming in the offseason. Defensive line, which would be the case even if they had Akeem Hicks. Uh, they need some some help in that interior defensive line. But certainly if he leaves, uh, some, some big shoes to fill there. At safety, at wide receiver, you mentioned basically most of their wide receiver room is free agents. Um, so that's something that they are going to need to address. And edge, and I'm going to talk a little bit about why I think edge might be a little bit of a hole on this team, despite the big names that they have there. Um, some ancillary needs, uh, interior offensive line, again, kind of have some struggles there all the way across. Uh, and then also linebacker, interestingly enough. Um, probably the two areas they're not going to be looking is quarterback and running back. I think they're pretty set at those two positions, um, but everywhere else on the roster they could look to improve. And they are going to be looking at $30.2 million in cap space as things stand today. Uh, if they move on from Nick Foles, Angelo Blackson, and Jeremiah Atachu, they could create an additional $7.4 million more. And that's going to put them at about $37.6 million uh, heading into free agency. So they could use some of that money to re-sign the players that Kyle talked about. Um, or they could go on a little bit of a mini free agent spending spree. They could certainly break the bank on an offensive tackle like Teron Armstead or maybe even Cam Robinson. Or they could just address that through the draft, right? Teron Armstead, I think, is a top-notch tackle. But a player like Cam Robinson, who really has been kind of average-ish, uh, even though the Jaguars franchise tags him last year, is going to be incredibly expensive because average tackles don't hit the free agent market, right? Mm, Teron right. Armstead is going to be, like, break the bank huge. Um, but even a guy like Cam Robinson is going to cost you a whole heck of a lot of money. Um, they are already spending a fortune speaking, you know, I was talking about edge before on Cleo Mack and Robert Quinn. I mm. don't think either of those two has any danger in being cut or, or, or whatnot, especially the season Quinn is coming off of. So I can't imagine they're going to be able to spend big money on another edge rusher, but they do need depth sorely, uh, bringing back Akeem Hicks could be a move that would help them in the interior defensive line, but they could also look to replace them. Maybe maybe a veteran presence like Indomitian Sue, uh, who just seems destined to play for the Bears someday, or someone more affordable like Larry, Larry Ogunjobi, um, who could be kind of that poor man's Akeem Hicks in the middle of that line. If they wanted to get splashy in the safety market, they could dig out big money and Marcus Williams, who you know, maybe could be a replacement for Eddie Jackson if they feel like the decline he's seen the last two years is something they need to be worried about. Or maybe Marcus May if they want to partner for Eddie Jackson. Then again, you got some some uh, more affordable options that could play alongside, uh, be that kind of traditional strong safety in Keanu Neal or Terrell Edmonds. Uh, but the place I could see the Bears using their free agent dollars is that wide receiver. Big money players like Mike Williams, Chris Godwin, or even Shudder, Devontae Adams. Absolutely Maybe not. the dream no. scenario of Bears fans. <laughs> hey, listen, I'm not. Devontae's not going to want to go there, even if they break the bank for him. But I'm just saying, like, that's somebody they could have their eyes on. Uh, but I think it's far more likely that they end up with a mid-tier player, such as Juju Smith-Schuster, Jamison Crowder, or Will Fuller. Those are true statements. And the Devontae Adams thing is just so ridiculous. This is the state of Bears fandom where they create fake scenarios of dream <laughs> players coming to their organization knowing that they're not real. They spend energy creating these scenarios, and everybody knows it's not real. So, I But mean, Kyle, if I mention the top end of the free agent market, 
without mentioning Devontae Adams, somebody is going to be like, why didn't you mention Devontae as a top wide receiver? The, the imposter bear fans that listen to our podcast? <laughs> Probably. Anyway, I'm glad that you did that so that you gave everyone, you know, an all-encompassing list of free agents. Well done, Andrew. Good job. Thank you. Okay. So, uh, obviously, Chicago's in need of some young talent as they start building for the future here. They need guys who are going to be cornerstone pieces of this team, uh, multiple contract guys who can be sustainable pieces of that future for the Bears. So, Maggie, let's talk about what draft resources the Bears have to work with as they work to accomplish this. I feel like the answer is not many. Uh, Right now, (laughs) the Bears are only working with five draft picks, given what they had to trade in order to move up for Justin Fields last year. Um, So they have a second rounder and a third rounder. Then they have two fifths and a sixth. So it's not a ton. There isn't a ton for them to work with there. Um, I feel like they'll definitely have to get creative in free agency, like Andrew mentioned, uh, since I'm not really sure that they're going to be able to fill a lot of those roster holes just with the draft alone. They just don't have the capital to kind of move around and get some of the pieces that they might need or that would even be reliable starters for them going into next season. Yeah, it's early in this process, and without a first-round pick, it's harder to speculate as to who the Bears might like to add in this draft. But I'm curious for you guys, I know super, super early, but is there anyone at this point who catches your eye that you think might be a good fit for where the Bears are and what they want to do and what they need to add? Yeah, it's always interesting speculating that like early second round, right? Because you know there's going to be some players who we think might be end of the first that slide. And so um, one of the good things, one of the things the Bears have working for them, this is a really deep class at offensive line and defensive line. So, you know, if you're looking at that tackle position, which we mentioned could be a weakness, maybe a player like Nicholas Petit Freer from uh, Ohio State he could fall to 39. Maybe an offense tackle like Daniel Falele from Minnesota, although him and Tevin Jenkins at I, run blocking, they would be phenomenal. I, I right. don't know who plays left tackle in that situation, but um, some really interesting skill sets with those two. Um, we've seen tackles like them that are a little bit raw, but very toolsy fall. Tevin Jenkins is a great example. Uh, Fedarian Mathis of Alabama or Perrion Winfrey of Oklahoma, who is the super, uh, senior bowl MVP, could be options at defensive line. And then David Bell, the wide receiver, seems like an absolutely perfect replacement for Allen Robinson and went to school just just down the road in Purdue. Um, but David Bell is going to be a draft crush of mine, so I don't want him to go to the Bears. <laughs> That's funny. I think uh, I think we may have a David Bell consensus on this show. That'll be fun when we get a little bit further into this. I like Bell as well. But we did the same thing with wide receivers with the Lions last week. But I think it's true here again with the Bears. Uh, they've got to get some weapons for Justin Fields. And Andrew mentioned Bell, of course, from Purdue. Uh, I think guys like North Dakota State's uh, Christian Watson, who just blew up at the Senior Bowl, is a guy to watch as he kind of rises in this process. He's process. He's that 6'4", prototypical Wow, prototypical X uh, that could be that good outside option for them. Or someone like George Pickens out of Georgia who has all those traits of your number one wide receiver but has kind of been injured throughout college, so he's going to come at a little bit of a discount. But I think we're kind of in that ballpark of looking at some weapons for Justin Fields here. Yeah, I try not to do too much of a deep dive into the draft until after the Super Bowl. I try to make that a point for my own you know, sanity and well-being. So I don't have any specific players pegged at this point for Chicago, but 
please, for the love of God, Chicago, invest in some offensive line help for Fields. I mean, if that's not their first pick night two, you know, in the second round, I'll honestly be shocked. But as I say that, it also wouldn't surprise me a ton to see them go the Bengals route mm-hmm. and, you know, completely disregard offensive line to get Justin Fields a new shiny toy like the Bengals did with Jamar Chase. And that, I mean, they're in the Super Bowl, so it worked out. <laughs> yeah, and hopefully the Bears won't be in the Super Bowl next year. So <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> that was... That was our uh, deep dive on the Chicago Bears. And unfortunately, that's all the time we have for today. This has been the Packaday Podcast. You can find Kyle on Twitter at Packer underscore Pundit. You can find Maggie at Maggie J. Loney. And you can find me at Andrew Mertig. Please subscribe and consider giving us a five-star rating. You can catch Kyle, Maggie, and myself. We're going to be back next Friday. (laughs) And for the foreseeable future, it's really exciting. Super, super glad Maggie is back with us. Uh, And next week, we will be chatting a little bit more about off-season coverage. So thanks for listening. And as always, remember... Chapman, welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.